Welcome to Breakthrough Cocktail. We're mixing up happiness, good life skills, and adding a dash of improv to help you live an awesome life. Please give it up for your breakthrough mixologist, Gary Ware. Welcome to another episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. I am your host, Gary Ware. And today on the show, I have a really good friend, old friend. We used to work together back in the day, and now he's in the Midwest. Please give it up for my friend, Travis Weger. Welcome to the show, Travis. Hey, nice to be here, Gary. Awesome. And it wouldn't be a Breakthrough Cocktail podcast <clears throat> without talking about what we're drinking. So, Travis, what are you drinking today? Okay, so I had to pick this out, especially for this. Uh, being that I moved to the Midwest, which actually I'll talk about this later, but I'm a huge beer guy. And uh, one of the first things that I did when I came here is trying to find really good beer. So I found uh, this place called Piney River uh, Brewing Company. And the beer that I'm drinking is a black walnut wheat. Nice. And I am drinking Blue Moon uh, Harvest Pumpkin Ale. You know, it's mm. seasonal. And not that bad. I'm not usually um, on the wheat side. I was for a bit. And then found out that I think I'm allergic to it, but oh, wow. it's actually pretty good. Yeah, every time I would drink Hefeweizen or anything like that, um, my tongue would start to swell up. It was so crazy. That I've always related uh, being allergic to beers. Uh, that would be like being allergic to sunlight for yeah. me. Uh, if I was like, that's like quite possibly the worst thing that I could think of. Exactly, but I'm doing pretty good. Uh, and plus, there's so many different varieties, so all is well. I cannot complain. And yeah. If it turns out I'm allergic to all beers, I would just, you know, I would just go with it. I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I would just have a swelled up tongue all the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I would just, that would just be the new thing. Anyways, <laughs> so jumping into the show, before we um, jump back and hear your story, Travis, just give us a little sample of what you're currently doing. Okay, so what I'm doing right now is I'm actually the visual information specialist for uh, the Harry S. Truman Memorial Veterans Hospital out here in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, what I always tell people that visual information specialist, that's uh, essentially the government's way of saying that I'm the creative director over there at the hospital. But what's interesting is that uh, my position is four positions that was, uh, it was a chief, a photographer, an illustrator, and a secretary, and uh, they condensed it down to one. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, this has been my life. It's like I leave places and uh, production companies get hired and then it's like I come into places and they're like, oh, you can do all this. And then they just filter it down to one. So uh, so I do uh, design, illustration, uh, photography. Uh, I tell people that I write them a song if they if they want that. That's awesome. And for the military. Um, oh, yeah. That's that. Too. That's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to jump into that. So th that leads me to the first question, uh, military. How did you get into the military? Tell me a little bit about that story. Okay, so, uh, so I'll, I'll start in with saying the, one of the reasons that I joined the military is I was actually working at Disneyland at the time, which is also really random. That when I, when I actually got into the Navy, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, I was a cop, I was a firefighter, <laughs> I was a coal miner, and I was like, I worked at Disneyland. And they're like, what? <laughs> so uh, actually... One of my friends, uh, she joined the Navy uh, when I worked at Disneyland, and she was like, she's like, oh, I joined the Navy. And I was like, well, who does that? And then, sure enough, I ended up walking into a recruiter's office, and I left three days later. Uh, so when I first came in, um, I actually got a job as a cryptological technician, which is pretty much just uh, transcribing enemy code. And I knew that when I joined, the last thing I wanted to do is that say that I sat behind a desk all day. 
so yeah. I was like, give me the down and dirtiest thing that you can do. So uh, pretty much I joined what I was called the infantry of the Navy because obviously we don't have infantry in the Navy. But uh, So it's called bosun's mate, which is a traditional sailor. So it's just getting down, dirty, handling lines, uh, dropping anchors, all that fun kind of stuff. So... Wow. Yeah. What does that even mean? Like, you were saying words, <laughs> tripping lines, dropping anchors. Do you guys seriously have to throw the anchor in the water? Uh, I mean, you don't You don't throw the anchor in the water. That What you do is uh, the anchor is actually connected to a thing called uh, the windlass. So it's, um, imagine, like, letting a brake off of a car. So you have these huge hooks holding this, uh, holding the anchor down. And then you have to whack it with the sledgehammer <laughs> and uh, then pull these things out of the way and then release a brake and then the anchor falls in the ocean. Wow, that's so crazy. But you went, you didn't go full um, full enlistment. You went into the reserves. Is that correct? No, I actually did full enlistment. Wow. So uh, so it was one of those things that, um, so my dad was actually in the army back in the 70s, right after Vietnam. And he was stationed in Germany. And all that I ever heard him talking about growing up was Germany, Germany, Germany. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, that's really cool, you know. And so when I joined, uh, I was actually living in Orange County at the time, and then I was thinking about getting stationed over in San Diego. My dad told me, like, you're young, you're not married, just get out and go do whatever. So when I, uh, when I joined, like I said, that three days later when they asked me where I wanted to go, I was like, send me as far away as you can. So, uh, so I got stationed over in Japan. So I lived over in Japan for about four years, uh, which was really cool. And then um, I was actually thinking about getting out. And then I was like, well, I can't really go get out and then just go back to California because I was like, who's, you know, I only have like a couple friends back in California left and be like, hey, I know I haven't seen you in four years. Can I crash on your couch? So I decided to uh, um, take another job with the Navy over in San Diego. And uh, I don't know if I ever told you this. It was, uh, I randomly picked this job. It's, <laughs> they, they had heard, so basically, uh, it's hard to kind of explain things civilian terms about military, yeah. but uh, so basically what it was is there's this thing called SWIC. So you have, um, it stands for Small Warfare Craft Crewman. What they do is they essentially drive around the SEALs. So they're basically the SEALs, but um, they're the combative guys, and then the SWIC guys drive the boats. And uh, so what had happened was um, SWIC was actually got called up to go to Iraq in 2007, and so uh, they needed my job, because my job is a boat driver, they were like, hey, uh, can you do this? And so they recruited about 10 of us to go over in San Diego, and it just so happened that it was uh, Naval Special Clearance Team 1, which is, uh, they train dolphins over in the San Diego Harbor, <laughs> over in Point Loma. <laughs> so I ended up going from Disneyland to living in Japan for four years to training dolphins how to find underwater mines. Over in uh, Point Loma. That's so crazy. And yeah. that that's so you quickly just jumped over, you went from Disneyland to the Navy. Was the reasoning behind going into the Navy was you were just ready to travel? Were you just, you know, done with Disneyland? What was more of the mindset there? So the I guess I should probably like just get into my whole story because yeah, it's, well. then then it just kinda makes a little bit more sense. Okay, so uh pretty much um I've been doing video for ever. Uh, ever since I can remember. It's, you know, I just feel so tacky saying this, but uh, it was ever since my grandparents had an old Betamax cam, like the ones you see the news crews with that yes. weigh about 62 pounds. 
Uh, so they gave me that, and I remember I was like filming my sister's Barbies and all that kind of stuff, like crashing their Corvette cars and all this kind of stuff, because I was like, hey, I don't know what else to film, filming people walking around the house. <clears throat> well, when, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I still kept up with media, but it was really, really, really difficult to do media back in the day unless you had a lot of big equipment, because that's back when digital was first starting to come out. So uh, thankfully... Um, like I got a little bit of money together. I think I had like CDs stolen out of my car or something like that. So I got like 500 bucks from insurance money. So I was like, hey, I'm buying a whole bunch of video equipment. So, uh, so what I did with that was um, I, uh, I bought a whole bunch of video equipment and then I went to our media class over in high school. Well, they only had Media One, which was basically watch movies and you know, it was all the kids just trying to be like, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to take the media class. Well, I was so into it that they, we petitioned the school and we got a Media 2 class started. And uh, so within that, uh, that's kind of like where I got my first foothold. So I was about uh, 15, 16 years old and um, my, uh, the instructor for the class said like, hey, there's this competition coming up for Pepsi. Uh, would you be interested in doing that? So I was like, yeah. So we, uh, me and my friend that were in this class... We, uh, we scrounged up a couple of our friends. We're like, hey, you're kind of goofy and you like to act. Are, how are you in front of a camera? And then uh, we ended up making a Pepsi commercial and got picked first place. And so I was 16 years old with my first commercial uh, on MTV and FX for, uh, for Pepsi, which was really, really awesome. Wow. So that kind, of, um, that kind of segued my interest into media and that I was like, oh, I'm actually kind of decent at this. And... Um, so uh, fast forward a couple of years, I have uh, one of my best friends. He actually moved down to California and went down to Chapman University. And so uh, when he moved down there, I spent one semester. I got because I, I think that I always thought that media was a pipe dream for me. So I did computer science because I ended up, which is another crazy story. I ended up being my school district's web administrator when I was 17 years old. <laughs> So, uh, so I was running the whole uh, school district, so the high school, the elementary school, and the district office. Um, so I, I ended up getting a full ride to a junior college, which I didn't know that that was possible. But, <laughs> so, so I did that for a little while, for one semester, and I was like, I just don't want to be here. Like, California is where I want to be because I grew up in Oregon, and uh, which actually small town by the way, one thousand two hundred eighty-five people. Wow! Yeah, no yeah. wonder you were the um, the web administrator for the school. Yeah, exactly. They're like, so we got like you and Jim Bob. Like Jim Bob <laughs> doesn't know how to do anything but bang rocks, and I'm like, oh, I think I can use a computer. <laughs> yeah, why not? But um, so, anyways, uh, so I did one semester up there, and I decided like I just didn't want to do this. I want to move to California, and then. Uh, this was actually this was three years before the Navy because I joined the Navy at 21. So um, I woke up, or I was, I remember I was uh, at home, and I think it was about nine o'clock at night, or maybe around ten. And I was talking to my friend Jared on the phone, and I was like, "Hey, I just, you know, I want to move down there." And he was like, "Do it." And I was like, "Okay." So uh, <laughs> I went and I woke up my parents. And I told them, hey, I'm moving to California. And they were like, what? What about school here? And I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to make it work. So I packed up everything in my little Honda CRX, and I left the very next morning. Uh, so I just moved down to California. <laughs> so 
I get down to, uh, to Chapman University, and um, while I'm there, it's, I'm talking to my friend Jared, and I'm like, I don't know where I'm going to stay. I'm just here. This is where I live now. And uh, so it happened that one of his roommates was on intercession. So I called him up, and I was like, hey, I'm uh, uh, Jared's friend. Like, is it okay if I crash on your bed? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I crashed on the bed for about two weeks. And then um, two weeks later, he came back and he was like, hey, well, I need my bed back. And I was like, okay. So I slept in my car for uh, a couple more weeks. And then I happened to meet this guy that he was like, well, my roommate just took off. So uh, he's, he wanted to go live with one of the other baseball players. Like, do you want to stay in my room? And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I stay in this guy's room for about three or four days until the RA figured out that, uh, that I was staying in there. But she was too passive aggressive to come confront me and say, hey, you're not a student, you can't live in the dorms. So she had at six in the morning the, uh, the facilities guys come in and take out the bed. So I hear a loud knock on the door, run in the bathroom. All I hear is like, murmur, you know, like drills. And uh, I go back out and the bed's gone. And he was like, this guy's name was Cody. And I, so I was like, I was like, Cody, what am I supposed to do? And he was like, well, you can't live over my bed, so you can live under my bed. So I lived under his bed in the dorms uh, for about two months. And then I broke my ankle uh, skateboarding, which is the first and only time in my life that I've ever skateboarded. And uh, so my parents were like, please come home, please come home. And I was like, I can't. Like, I moved down here. This is where I live now. Like, I just don't (laughs) want to be that kid that, like, moves out and goes back home. Because being from a small town, like... A lot of people go back home, and I was like, I don't want to do that. And so uh, I went up and I stayed with my sister up in Sacramento for about uh, three weeks while I did my heavy uh, recuperating with my cast and everything. And then uh, I had my girlfriend at the time come back up, pick me up, and take me back down to uh, Southern California. So I was there for about six more months living under the bed, uh, attending uh, Chapman University, uh, crashing classes. Nobody knew that I wasn't a student there. Like the professors, like I would just go in there and like edit uh, in the editing room. I would like, I would be like, I would be director on things. I'd be like second uh, <laughs> AD on things and stuff. And so I was just like, this is great. Like uh, everybody just kind of assimilated in the culture somehow. I even ate in the cafeteria. I like knew Janet, the lady at the front. And I was just like, hey, Janet. She's like, hey, Travis. And then I would just go in and eat and come back out. <laughs> totally terrible. But the, uh, hey, that's the hard times. Yeah. So, uh, so I was actually going to the junior college at the time, uh, taking credits. And so what I would do over there is I worked at uh, Macy's in the morning. I was on the truck team. So I'd work from 4 a.m. till noon. And then I would work at Disneyland from 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. And uh, so that basically my two hours was to like rush over to Disneyland, get changed into my costume and then uh, go back to work. And then I was taking all my classes on a Tuesday. So I'd take all my classes from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And uh, so it just came to the, one of this th- these things that I was like, I want to do this on my own. I don't want anybody to help me. Just this whole pride thing. I don't know what the heck I was thinking. But so I was like, I, I want to do this on my own. And then that's when one of my friends told me that she joined the Navy. And I was like, then that's when I was like, oh, you're ridiculous. Who does that? And then I was like, oh well, okay, there's all these other benefits to it too. You know, like I get out and they pay for school and I get training and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, then that's when uh, I decided to do it. And I remember calling my parents and they were like, 
you can't do that. You don't even know how to fold your own laundry. And I was like, but the Navy will train me. That's it. Isn't that the purpose of it? So then, uh, so I think it was one of those things where it was like, they already knew that I packed up and left. And then they were like, whatever, Travis is on one of his crazy things again. He's just going to go down and go join the Navy now. So, uh, so like I said, so I did that for three years. And then that's when I joined the Navy and then uh, asked to be shipped to Japan and then did my time in Japan and then did the uh, San Diego Dolphin thing. That so. is so crazy. Uh, <laughs> and I think some of the things that the listeners can, to, can pull from your story is you're very persistent. Uh, you're willing to just jump in, you know, head first, right into the deep end, and sink or swim. You're like, hey, I'm moving to California. I don't know where I'm going to stay, <laughs> but you know, you're going to rough it out in your car under someone's bed. And you know, if someone really wants to do something and they want it bad enough, it'll, they'll make it work out regardless. So, mm-hmm. um, and you had a vision. You're like, I want to do video. <laughs> and that meant crashing classes, doing the editing thing, and you know, asking. You know, what what what's the term? Um, like um, asking for forgiveness later or whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, that's actually something that I want to talk about later. Is that yeah. that's kind of how I've ran my life? Because if you ask for permission for things, yeah. people will be like, ah, oh, I don't know. But it's like. Um, this is actually how I got my job at IDEA, which I'll go into later, which is actually a pretty cool story too. But, um, that I'm always, the way that I do things is I'm just like, here's the finished product. And they're just like, wow, you did this under budget. You did it on time. Like you, uh, okay, let's shoot, let's do it. You know? So, yeah. All right. So fast forwarding, you know, you did your time in the Navy and then you got out and then you went to USD, correct? Yeah, so um, I actually, so uh, let me backpedal real quick. So my friend Jared that I was telling you about, uh, this this guy, he's been my best friend since, shoot, I think we rode the bus together in like elementary school. So uh, he was the one that he moved down to Chapman. And um, so uh, while I was, so we pretty much uh, started working together ever since, shoot, like I said, that we were young. I mean, even when we were in high school, uh, I was working at Target at the time, and I would work like 2 a.m. to like 8 or something just crazy. And then uh, he would wake up in the morning when I'd get home, and he'd be like, hey, let's go film. And I was like, oh, man, I'm so tired. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, uh, when when I left for the Navy, he stayed with doing video. And that was actually how I stayed current was um, every time that I would come home on leave or uh, just whichever, like I would work on projects with him. And um, which actually is really, really cool. Uh, I would come and I would work on projects with them. And one little project that we did when I was home on leave um, ended up winning an Emmy in uh, 2008. No way. <laughs> so, yeah. What so was I was it? like, hey, it's called uh, Bloody Thursday. It won a uh, Los Angeles area uh, Emmy in 2008. So, so great. We're going to have to get links to all these. Uh, is your commercial that you did as a kid, is that online somewhere? I, okay, so I've looked for it, and I think I need to see if my mom has it because my mom's one of those people that she'll keep any yeah, little thing about me. It's like mentions my name and like the bottom of an article with like three hundred other names, and my mom will like cut it out and highlight it. Yeah, <laughs> that's my boy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. All right, well, what we can get, we'll put in the show notes. But all right, so moving on. So your friend helped you stay current uh, with video while you're going back and forth. Yeah, that, so either with uh, just doing any sort of camera work, um, 
So whether it was like I would come home and I would do photography, uh, I would do stills on some of the commercial shoots that he had. Um, I would do headshots of people while I was over in Japan. Um, I did uh, photography for the Navy. Uh, just we had a journalist on board, but I would help him out either let him borrow my camera or like I would take shots whenever we'd uh, go do like a boat landing or something like that. So that's great. And so, how did you get decided you want to go back to school? Okay, so uh, I actually so the reason that I joined the Navy in the first place was to go to school, and like I was saying, that I just knew that it wasn't possible uh, to do it on my own, and I was just completely overwhelmed. And school actually took a backseat to to working because I was like, well, I got to make money, and unfortunately, I got to pay for school, and it's not working all the same. But um, so uh, so when I got out of the Navy, uh, I actually so I started working um, at a restaurant around. Uh, over in, up in La Jolla. And so I was like, okay, so uh, this is going to be my job and I'm going to go to school because I, I went to uh, Mesa College, the junior college. Mm-hmm. And um, so I ended up picking up another restaurant job because I was like, oh, you know, it'd be nice to have more money. And then I found myself, I was getting sucked back into working and I was like, no, no, I have to finish school. So uh, the way that I kind of uh, resolved that issue is that I just got extremely involved in school and uh, that just was doing everything I could to, to do whatever uh, to kind of keep myself entertained. And I ended up, uh, which is really cool, uh, this is kind of where my, my passion for, for veterans came from, is that, uh, you know, getting out of the military is a really hard transition. And then so it was one of those things that it was, I knew that I, I got out and I wanted to go back to school and I really wanted to help other veterans. Uh, learn that as well. So I ended up, um, me and a friend started uh, the student veteran organization over at Mesa College, which is actually the long, the largest number of student veteran population in the whole world wow. for mili- for U.S. military veterans. It's like 22,000 students, including distance learning. So That's great. Yeah. So <laughs> did all that, did media work with them, um, ended up uh, Doing only, I was only doing minimal uh, media work while I was going to the junior college because it was more about school for me at that point and just making sure that I was able to transfer. Um, but then when I got accepted into USD, then that's kind of when it started again. Uh, so I um, ended up working with uh, USD TV, our uh, campus television station. And actually, funny story about that is that I thought that going into media again was going to be a pipe dream. And I was like, this is just, you know, I, I have to focus my efforts on other things. And, and uh, I remember my older sister, she was like, you got to go into HR. That's, that's like the one thing that will always be for sure because jobs will always need HR people. And I was like, I don't think I want to do that. But I was like, maybe PR. So I ended up uh, focusing on PR. Um, so I ended up, so I was the, ended up being the public relations director for associated students for, for USD. And then I was the public relations director for, uh, the campus TV station and then a couple other things. Then I actually ended up getting my internship at IDEA. Mm-hmm. Well, actually it was Bailey Garner at the yep. time. And, uh, I was a, a PR intern because that, uh, I remember, um, she was my mentor at the time. It was Lizzie Youngkin yeah. that she, uh, she came and talked to our class. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a cool little thing. And they showed a video that they did for the, uh, I think it's the 20 at 20 or something yeah. that they had for Seaport Village. Yep. So I was like, oh, okay, like this is pretty cool. And I ended up giving her my resume and I got my internship. 
as a, uh, a PR intern over there. And then, so to kind of go into that, the way that I got sucked back into media again, which I swear that it's like, I finally accepted it at this point. I'm like, this is my life. I'm yes. like, that just media is where it's at. Is, uh, so I was a PR intern uh, doing all, all that kind of stuff. Well, uh, we had the Seaport Busker Festival. And what was going on with that is that we're, I'm reaching out to all these media and I was like, hey, like, please make sure that you're here. Like, you know, because this is my kind of my big break because I was like, I want a job here. I want to make sure like I'm really uh, taking a, a big um, challenge up here as a, a PR intern. So I get like 10 media. They're like, yeah, Travis, we'll be there. I promise. Yeah. Well, it just so happens that the day of there was a fire up in Carlsbad and mm-hmm. people that aren't familiar with PR is that you're like media, please please, 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 please come. And you're like almost to the point of like, you don't want to be begging, but you're almost begging. And then, uh, you know, you're like, hey, are you going to come? Are you going to come? And then, like I said, fire happened. So no media shows up. So I'm like, oh my God, I totally blew this. And so I'm trying to think outside the box. And uh, at this point, I pretty much sold all my media gear because I was, uh, you know, it was rough being a student. And um, so... I, I was thinking, 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 and I was like, oh, yeah, I got my iPhone. So I call, and I was like, hey, uh, if I send you HD video clips, will you play them? And she was like, oh, well, just make sure the, the footage isn't shaky and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, got it. So I ran around, and I was like, Lizzie, I'll be right back. Uh, I run around, and I'm taking a little 10-second, uh, it's called B-roll, uh, B-roll clips of uh, all the buskers. I get probably about 10 different buskers. And I don't know if you know, the old iPhone, it was extremely shaky. Like yeah. now they got the, the image stabilization and all that, especially optical uh, stabilization yeah. on, the six, on the 6 Plus. But so at the time, so it's like, I'm like hugging up against walls. I'm like setting it on like bike seats. I'm like, I think some of it, I'm like holding it on my chest, trying not to breathe. And so I um, got all my clips. I edited it on iMovie right on my iPhone and I emailed it to the station right there and then so I just send it off into oblivion to all these different stations thinking like uh, whatever maybe they won't take it well the very next day Lizzie comes over and she was like oh my god your stuff from your phone got on the news and uh, yeah so my phone clips ended up getting on the news which uh, I actually have on my YouTube so you can put a link to that too (laughs) that is dope (laughs) yeah so then uh, so I ended up doing more video work as a PR intern. So I'm doing like sizzle reels and all this kind of stuff and like events. And, uh, I'm actually like running around with our camera and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, Oh, maybe they'll love me for this. And so, uh, the chief creative officer over there, uh, Ryan Berman, he actually told me one day, uh, I think it was around three o'clock and my, um, my internship time ended at four. And so he was like, Hey, I want to talk to you. And I was like, okay. And that was like all that he said. I was yep. like, I was like, am I in trouble? Like, what's going on? But I was like, it sounded, I was intrigued. And uh, so I was like, whatever, I'll put myself outside of my comfort zone and see what happens. And so I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there. I'm like done with all my work. I like, I say probably around six o'clock, I like finished everything that I possibly could finish. And by that time I was just like, all right, so what do I do now? So I'm sitting there around seven o'clock. I go over there and I was like, poke my head around and I'm like scared because I'm an intern. I was like, Hey Ryan, uh, just want to let you know I'm still here. If you still want to talk, he's like, okay. And then (laughs) I just go and I sit back down. So I'm like, Hmm. 
So around, I think, like, 8.30 or so, like, Brian comes over and he's like, I'm ready for you now. And I was like, okay. And so pulls me into his office and he was like, he goes, hey, uh, so I've been hearing that you've been doing a lot of video work for uh, the PR team. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, did, you know, are you interested in that stuff? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, uh, you know, this is just stuff that I've been doing forever. And uh, so he was like, okay, well, show me some of your best stuff. And so a lot of my stuff that I had, uh, I wanted to show stuff that was like all me that I had shot and edited and all that. I didn't want to show him some of the commercials that I'd worked on that like I had worked either camera or just whatever, like done stills or something like that. I was like, I wanted it all to be me. And so I showed him uh, some of the iPhone stuff that I'd done because uh, while I was in school, like I would make videos on my iPhone using iMovie. And uh, so I showed him some of that and he's like, oh, okay, like this is all right. And he's like, I'll tell you what. He's like, he's like, you make me something professional that looks really, really good and come see me back in two weeks. And I was like, okay. So I immediately leave out of there. I call my friend Jared, the one that I'd been working with. And I was like, Jared, I'm coming up to LA. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and so I was like, really hope that you're available. So I run up there, I get up there and, uh, you know, we, we're just hanging out and I was like, I have to make something. And he was at this point, he'd been more into, uh, he hadn't been doing the kind of stuff that like we did back in high school where it's like, no will, no way, just go out there with a the camera and see what happens. We'll just make something up on the fly. He'd been more into commercial shoots, which is like storyboards and we need this and we need that. And so, uh, so he was like, well, what do we do? And I was like, I don't know. I was like, let's just string together like some pretty shots and make like kind of a hybrid demo reel. <clears throat> I was like, it'll be like high school all over again in college. And so he's like, okay. So all next day we're like, filming just all this stuff it's like filming me in my car filming me like uh shoot just walking like we filmed some stuff at the beach like he was like he's like dude go get a cigar from the gas station i was like okay so i get this like crappy 99 cent cigar from the gas station just because like uh you know smoking and having cool lights on it makes it look even better so uh we decided what we we're gonna do is that we we're like okay so what we're gonna do is we're gonna uh we're gonna create the script and so agencies do this thing called sizzle reels at the end of the year. And they'll be like, okay, here's all the cool uh, campaign stuff that we did and all this. And he's like, what we're going to do is we're going to make this hybrid sizzle reel. And uh, basically it's going to incorporate all the clients into one overarching story. And we're, I was like, oh man, that's a great idea. So we sit down, hammer out the script, uh, end up writing a whole bunch of stuff. And then, um, you know, do the cool cigar shots and me Typing And so what we ended up doing with this video is that kind of made it a hybrid demo reel of uh, just all these really cool shots. And then at the end, it's like you see me typing and then it shows that I'm typing the script to Ryan Berman on this date and all this kind of stuff. And so uh, I made sure. So we wrapped it up, come back down to San Diego on, uh, on Sunday. On Monday, I got there, I think, at like 7 in the morning, which I didn't know agency life. I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't oh, yeah. know that Berman wasn't going to roll in until like 9. nine. <laughs> but I was like, I was like, I don't care. I'm going to be here sitting here. I'm going to be like, boom, here's what you want. So uh, he finally, I get there at like 7. I'm just like sitting out there like a weirdo in my car. Like I'm sure people are like, what's this guy doing? <laughs> He's doing the drugs. Yeah. So I'm like, so I'm just... I decide to, like, I'm sitting there, and then I see Berman roll in. I go upstairs just casually being like, oh, hey, what's up? I just so happened to get here the same time as you. Yeah. And uh, so I was like, hey, I got this thing. He's like, all right, let's see it. So he puts it in his computer. 
watches, it was the two minute video of uh, the pretty shots and me smoking the cigar and then the script. And then, so then it ends and then I throw down the script on his table and I was like, I was like, here's the script. Here's all the clients that we'll use that because I still didn't know all of our client list, but it's like, I found it online. So I was like, research the heck out of the company. I was like, here's what we're going to do. Here's the budget. I called all these companies. Here's how much it would cost to outsource this to get cameras and camera people and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, here you go. And he was like, cool. He's like, I'll give you a call in a week. And then I got my, uh, my offer to start there full time, I think, like two weeks later. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. So, and what's interesting that too is that I was still in the reserves, which, I mean, I still am in the reserves. Um, so I was, I had to do my three months of like training because I'd been putting it off since I was in school this whole time. So I think I stopped my internship on like May 15th and they wanted me to start in June. Uh, but I had to do my stuff with the Navy. So I ended up having to do, I like graduated in June and then went immediately to go do Navy stuff over in Virginia. So it's like, boom, 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 doing that. And then it's like, I come back and then started like two days later. And then, uh, then that's when the whole onslaught started, which we were talking about before the show, is that like I show up there, and then they're like, hey, uh, welcome back. Um, so we have this pitch that's due next week, and we want to create a, a five-minute profile video. And I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, this is uh, John Sauter. He's the guy that you're going to be working with. And then here's his cameraman. And uh, so they're like, have fun. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then so we hammered out a five-minute video uh, actually, a five-minute, a three-minute, and a two-minute cut in, uh, shoot, what was it? Like, between the solder and I, we did, I think, like, 150 hours or something wow. like that. Like, yeah, so it was literally just right into it. But it was a great learning experience. Yeah. It was I, a lot of fun. I think some of the, the takeaways here is you're fearless. And people just need to be fearless. <laughs> like, whatever. It, it could fail. You could fall on your butt. But... Yeah, who cares? Just go out there, see what happens. What's the worst get that can happen? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's like, that's kind of, and my big thing is that people notice hard work. Um, actually, I, I say that one advantage that I've always had from the military is that uh, in the military, you get put into leadership positions really early on. And so it's kind of a sink or swim type thing. And so I've led uh, up to 80 people. In uh, at any given moment, I've done like hundred person operations where it's like I'm the guy, and it's like if I mess up, like somebody dies, <laughs> and so it's one of those things where it's like you really, really, really have to be on point on a lot of things. And so one thing that I would always notice is that you always notice the hard workers, the people that are coming up that are like, hey, what can I do to help? What's next? What's next? Like, you know, oh, hey, like, can you teach me this because I want to be able to learn this, like. You know, whenever they come up and say, I want to be you, and then you're just like, oh, wow, like, that's really cool. So one of the things that I've taken away from that in my civilian life is I'm like, okay, like, I notice those people. So it's like, I want to be that person in my civilian job being like, what do I need to do next? Like, how can I make your life easier? Yeah, that's great. And so I want to fast forward uh, a few things. But before I do that, quick question. Yeah. You've had mentors throughout your whole life. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, people that you just gone through and sought them out. Can you give advice to some of our listeners on on how you were able to do that? Because it seems like if you want to learn something, someone was right there to teach you, and you haven't had any struggles with that. I think the uh, my biggest things is is that like I always try to put ego second to everything 
And I really try to live off uh, the thing of if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one of those things that it's like I always try to surround myself with more successful people than, than myself because one way that I look at it is it's like it's not really that fun. If you're like the most successful person in the room, it's like cool. I mean you can like brag but that really doesn't do anything. Like I don't want to be that guy. So it's like I like being the least successful person in the room and so – uh, I'm always looking for people that are like more creative than myself, the people that are smarter than myself. That like, uh, like my girlfriend, she's a doctor. She's way smarter than me, and I'm yeah. like, hey, that what? What better can you get than that? You know. So, the uh, that's that's always been one thing is it's, um, you know, trying to trying to find somebody to to help mentor with that. Egos aside, I like that. Oh yeah, that's that's always one thing that I've always tried to do is it's and. Two, I always see, and I see this a lot with uh, creatives especially, is that like people get really upset when you critique their work. And that's like one thing that I've, uh, there's a, a saying in film, don't be afraid to kill your baby. It's like, you know, you, you're like, this is the best scene I've ever made in my entire life. And then your creative director looks at it and goes, uh, no, that we don't need that. Take it out. <laughs> you know, so it's, you got to put your ego aside and be like, okay, like, I'm sorry, that was my baby. But, you know, take it out. And the way that I look at it, too, is that, like, you can always use it for your portfolio. If you yeah. think that it's the best thing that you've ever done, then just save it for later. So there's been plenty of things that I've had to take out that I, you know, I could get really upset or really uh, irritable about it and be like, oh, whatever, and just delete it. But it's like, I'll save it for later. And then it, it helps me out later on the line because I can throw it in, the, in something else that might be more appropriate. And then they're like wow, this looks great. And it's like, thanks, that was the part you hated before, but whatever, now yep, it works. Now it works. Mm -hmm. That's great. All right. Uh, so fast forward a bit. So you did your stint in IDEA, and then how did you get into the military, uh, back to the military, working for the military? Okay, so what it was, I was, like I said, I still stayed in the reserves after I got out in 2008. And... Um, I was extremely fortunate that I didn't get called up to deploy or any of that stuff. They let me um, put things off my because you do your one week in a month and then you do your two weeks training a year, and they let me take my two weeks and do it all in three months after I graduated because I was like, please, 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 I just want to finish. Um, I actually turned down a, a, a three month deployment to Antarctica, which I was like, man, that that would have been cool. But then I was like, well, school, got to finish that whole thing, it. but. Uh, so, uh, so what had happened is that we got called up to deploy and, uh, shoot, I think I was, it was April that we got the notice and then we had to leave in May. And, uh, so that was one of those things is I went up to my creative director at the time and I was like, this is really weird and you probably never experienced this, but I have to go deploy. And he was like, I don't even know what to say to that. And I was <laughs> like, I don't either. I was like, uh, cause I deployed a lot when I was uh, active duty, and so I think I'd done like uh, four or five deployments when I was active duty, but it's, and that's just how it is, and, and it's like reserve side I hadn't deployed before. So I was like, so how do we do this? So it's like, I'm looking up online, like the, it's called USERA, it's the United, uh, United Uniform Services of something, something that, you know, the employment laws, and so I was like, hey, like, here's how we work through this, and they were absolutely great. Like, it was amazing that... Uh, the owners of the company were like, we're going to miss the heck out of you. Like, you know, that <clears throat> it was just awesome. And uh, so what had happened is that, so I got called up to deploy. And then um, 
we did our training over in uh, shootouts in Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, uh, Delaware, uh, Virginia. I was in like North Carolina. Like I was all over the place, like doing all these trainings. And then, so once again, somehow my life comes down to short fuses. Three days before we were supposed to leave to go overseas, because I was supposed to be, uh, we're supposed to go be over in the Middle East. Um, that's when sequestration happened. And then the, that's when the whole government shutdown happened. And then they were like, hey, sorry to tell you, but we completely lost all your funding and you have to go home. So, <laughs> so we ended up going home. And um, so while I was deployed, I actually I saw this opportunity over at the VA. And I was like, well, I really, 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 really like the agency job. And this is what I thought that I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. But I was like, I miss working with veterans. Because like I said, that um, starting up the veteran organization, which I started that over at USD as well, and uh, so I just decided, okay, so this is my calling. Go back and go work with veterans. And um, so I came back, and I was like, hey, guys, I'm really, really sorry about this, but I was like, I got, uh, I'm going to have to put in my notice because I got this other job, and they were very understanding about it, and they were, everybody was extremely supportive. But uh, I, I took it, and it's here in Missouri, which I'd never even been to the Midwest. I couldn't have even told you where Missouri was, to be honest. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's I, – I, I blame my elementary school teacher for that, <laughs> showing me where Missouri was. Yeah. Uh, so, so I ended up uh, taking this job. I really didn't tell anybody because it was – again, it was short-fused. And so I think like most of my friends found out by Facebook. I flew yeah. home. Uh, I said bye to a couple friends in San Diego, flew up to Oregon, grabbed my car, and then a buddy and I – that was from Arizona. He's a firefighter in Arizona, uh, one of the guys in my unit – drove me out to Missouri and then he hung out here for like three days and he was like, well, guess I'll drive home and then just drove home and then started my job here. Oh, cool. And so as you mentioned, you are a one man show. Has it always been like that? Like what happened to the people before you? Uh, what do you mean? Like for, in terms of video or? Yeah, for the, for everything. Cause you, you said there were like four different positions and then they like, Oh no, Travis can do everything. Oh, yeah, that, so what they ended up doing is that they just con- kept condensing it down. So it was four to two, and then those two retired, and then they just condensed it down to, to one. So um, it was just one of those things that uh, they, they wanted somebody that could do everything, and I'd do everything. And that's always been like my little uh, my marketing shtick is that I'm like, hey, I'm your all-in-one guy. I can save you money. I can do it faster than a team because it's there's no collaboration it's just me uh so yeah nice. the only thing i can't do faster is, is editing because if you have like three people editing that's a lot faster but yeah it makes that's sense. besides the point yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> um so so moving along so how do you like it how do, how do you like it being a one-man show you, you did the agency life uh, uh, you did like a whole bunch of other stuff what's that like let's talk about that real quick so i i really miss agency life because like being around creatives, like my whole life, I always felt a little bit of an outcast because I was like, uh, especially growing up in a small town, it's like a lot of people there are uh, very blue collar, like um, the, uh, both of my brother-in-laws are loggers, you know, like that's, that's, <laughs> so to like, to be a creative around that, people were like, you're different. And I was like, I know, I feel different. And then it's like, when I got to IDEA around all the other creatives, I was like, oh my God, you guys, there's like, 30 of me. This is fantastic. Yeah. And, it's like uh, Zoolander. I don't know if you've seen Zoolander. 
Oh yeah, that's a, we we actually get in gasoline fights at, uh, over there. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Or the part when he went back to the coal mines with his brother. Oh yeah, that's a, I got the black lung pop. <laughs> Merman. That's, whenever I go home, I'm just like Merman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and if you haven't seen that clip, we'll definitely put that in the show notes as well. That's like one of my oh. favorite clips from. Zoom oh, Andrew. that I I love it. I'm thinking, but see, I can switch it. I can be like. <laughs> Ad man. Ad man, father. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Uh, cool. Yeah, yeah, totally get so, it. So, yeah, the, uh, so when I ended up getting this job here, it's like I said, that just kept with the one man show and, uh, and it worked out for me. So Awesome. And one other thing I want to touch on is you mm-hmm. just filmed a documentary, correct? I'm working on it. Finishing a documentary. Yeah. The. Uh, Man, it's it's one of those things that I'm doing in my free time, and it's so much fun. That so, uh, what it's on is it's uh, the Honor Flight, which uh, for people that aren't familiar with the Honor Flight is basically the after World War II, uh, the veterans um, they basically just got home and they went back to work. There was no welcome home. There was no uh, shoot. I don't, the VA wasn't even around back then. They uh, they were actually they weren't a cabinet level position, so they were uh, called something else, and I should actually know this, but I can't remember it right offhand. But um, so basically, that everybody just came home and they went right back to work. And so it wasn't until I think about ten years ago they built the World War II Memorial over in Washington D.C. So what they're doing now is that they're flying all these uh, World War II veterans um, all across the country over to D.C. And then so they go do uh, they go see. Uh, the World War II Memorial, they go see the Korean and the uh, Vietnam Veteran Memorial, they go see the Changing of the Guard over there, and just a whole bunch of other fantastic things. And it's a, a great opportunity. Like some of these, I think my favorite story from that is that I, so I worked all day Monday, so I woke up at 6, worked all day Monday, prepped my shoot, uh, ended up starting shooting at midnight on Tuesday, so yeah, going into Tuesday, and then it's 48 hours, and then I wrapped shooting <laughs> I'm filming this uh, 96-year-old man at like 4 in the morning. And so it was 48 hours straight. And I was like dying. I'm like dozing off and all this stuff. And this 96-year-old guy, he's just sitting there like perky and everything. And I was like, are you even tired? And he's like, nope. I was like, wow. (laughs) How'd you get set up with that? Uh, So uh, this is actually um, something that I, a little tip that I wanted to give to people is that uh, don't be afraid. So a lot of people always say, like, uh, don't be afraid to say no, but also don't be afraid to say yes. Because uh, the way that I got involved with this is that so um, we do something, uh, I do something volunteer-wise called the Missouri Veteran History Project. And what that is is that it's visually documenting the stories of World War II and Korea veterans uh, for um, to be archived over in the Library of Congress, which is really cool. Uh, so now I can say I have work in the Library of Congress. Uh, yeah, so um, so I got hooked up with that, and then I was actually uh, so I was there filming one day, and I met this lady that she her name is Mary Paulsell, and she was like, "Hey, would you be interested in doing video work for somebody else?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course." That I have my personal business. I was like, "This is just something that I'm always interested in," and plus, you know, I love helping veterans. And then she was like, "Well, have you ever thought about the honor flight?" And I'd never heard of it. So when I was researching it, I was like, oh, yes, this is something I definitely want to do. And so I emailed her, and I was like, yes, I want to go. And I got it approved uh, through work uh, to go to that and everything, and it was awesome. And then what's even better about that is that, so 
volunteer with the Missouri Veteran History Project, do the honor flight video for free, and, um, and then through that, turns out this lady happens to be the director of training for University of Missouri, and she emailed me and was like, hey, I know that you do good work. You, I love your stuff. Would you like to do a whole bunch of videos for us? And, I was, and it's paid. And I was like, wow. So that's, that's always my big thing is that, like, like I said, that obviously don't be afraid to say no, but don't be afraid to say yes because that's one of my things is that, I mean, kind of like what you're saying, I like to throw myself into situations and just be like, hey, let's see what happens. And that was one of those. I was like, you know what? It's one of those that I could go home and I could sit on the couch and I could watch like a documentary on Netflix or something like that, or I can volunteer an hour on Saturday and then I get to meet all these really cool World War II veterans, which just so happened to lead into the honor flight, which led into a very substantial paid project. So it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, don't be afraid to put yourself out there because you never know what can happen. Yeah. You know, the worst that could happen is you fall on your butt, but if you don't yeah. do anything, you won't ever know. So that is that is awesome. Uh, so what what's next um, with this uh, documentary? So you filmed it. Now you're just working on getting it edited. Yeah, the, and it's just man. I <laughs> this is the hard part about doing a lot of video the way that I do. Uh, just kind of run and gun. And I like had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I didn't like schedule interviews with anybody. Uh, there's typically the the best way to narrate a video is by have what's called talking heads. So it's uh, I shoot. Gary Ware, I shoot uh, this guy, I shoot another guy, and then it's like, I let you guys tell the story. And uh, then I can put over B-roll over it. And so if you're like, hey, you know, we've been doing this since 1968, then I can show like a, you know, a period of 1968 or something like that. Uh, so I went into this without a will or a way. And trying to edit things when you have zero story and create a story is very difficult. Uh, but it's coming together really, really, really well. And I finally figured out a direction of the way that I want to take it. And I've, I never show my work before it's done. And some of the clips uh, I put on Facebook, and they're just phenomenal. Like one, this, I, I'm admitting this on your show, uh, I made myself cry from my own work, which I never has happened before. So that I was sitting That's there good. watching. I was just like, what the heck? I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is, yes. <laughs> I'm in a glass case of emotion right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. So that's awesome. I, I can't wait to see it. <clears throat> and I remembered you had put out a trailer, so we'll definitely put that out so people can see it. And and okay. this is awesome. Um, and it's so refreshing to talk to you, especially because I haven't seen you in forever, uh, yeah, to I hear your story that. about like all the cool stuff. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to jump right into the lightning round so we can get okay. to know you a little bit more. Awesome. Hey, Breakthrough Cocktailers. Are you stuck in your current job and wish you had something better? In a few weeks, I'm going to be launching my new course that is going to give you my six-step framework that will help you get clarity and the techniques that you need to find and land a job that's going to align with your passions. If this is something that you're interested in, head over to BreakthroughCocktail.com slash career to get on the VIP list so that you're the first to know when this course opens. I'm only taking nine people, so you're going to want to get on this list. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Breakthrough Cocktail. We're here with Travis Weger. We're talking about his awesome life, going all over the place, jumping headfirst. And now we're going to jump headfirst into the lightning round. Travis, are you ready? Oh, I'm always ready. Cool. All right. As a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
So <clears throat> I really, <laughs> this is the funny thing is I actually, I think that I wanted to be like, besides a cop for, or a firefighter or an astronaut, um, the first thing that I specifically remember uh, that I wanted to be and this is just really strange, is I wanted to be a combat photographer. <laughs> I wanted to be a wartime photographer. I don't know why or what. I just don't know what it was that I just, yeah, yeah I wanted awesome. to be a, a wartime photographer. You're like, you know what? I don't necessarily want to fight the war, but I want to be there in yeah. the war. I, like, I wanted to be, and what's really cool is that uh, I've met some people over at USD. Actually, uh, one of my good friends, he was a combat, we call it combat camera. Um, but it's cool. It's like they're right up there on the front line. So rather than uh, carrying a weapon, they carry a camera and they'll just be like right up there next to the guys that are shooting over the dirt, uh, just filming them. Yeah, that is completely dangerous. I was at the San Diego Film Festival recently and watching the shorts and there was one that was on combat photography and it was like completely amazing. And one guy, he's like missing legs and... Because he was at war, like documenting, documenting mm -hmm. that stuff. So yeah, dude, way to go! Um, you you talked about a lot of success. Uh, was there ever a failure that you had to get over? Uh, I think the biggest one that um, that was really difficult for me was, like I told you before, was when I broke my ankle. That it was that was kind of the pivotal point to where I was like, do I go home? Do I stay here? And like I said, that my parents were like egging me on. I mean. If, I could, if you could imagine like having a kid that just moved one day and then he breaks his ankle, then it's like, see, I told you this is your sign to come home. And uh, so that was one of the things that I decided uh, I needed to stick with it. And because um, who knows, I might be completely in a different situation today if I would have gone home. Yeah, I know. You so, might be a logger. Yeah, I might be cutting trees. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd be, you would see me on TV eventually. I'd be on Axemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Just uh, with a little bit of dip spit. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you have any hobbies or things that you like to do in your spare time? Uh, so I'm really big into fitness. Um, I try to work out at least twice a day. Um, so I, I work out after work um, every day. And then I swim on Tuesday, Thursday. And then I do road biking. You actually see my bike behind nice. me. So, uh, so I do that on the weekends. And um, which actually... I'm doing a new workout now called, uh, it's a PAP workout. It's post-activation potentiation, which is uh, a really sciencey version of workout, which you do a resistance move, a uh, uh, explosive move, and then two isometri isometrics or uh, like a holds or whatever. So Crazy. Yeah. So that's my thing. And also, I really enjoy homebrewing. Yeah, exactly. And how long have you been homebrewing? Uh, about two years now. Great. Um, and why did you get into it? Uh, shoot. I think it, so the reason that I got into home brewing is that I was, uh, there was this beer that I tried back in 2002. It was from Alcatraz Brewing up in Orange, California, and it was a pumpkin porter. And I was like, man, this is the best beer I've ever had. And I would go back every single year and be like, do you guys have that? And they were like, no, we don't have that. And then I think after like seven years later, uh, they, I went back and I was like, do you guys have that? And they were like, we still get people coming in asking for this beer. And I was like, well, why don't you make it? <laughs> and uh, so I was like, whatever, I'm going to make my own beer. And so I ended up making my own pumpkin porter. And that's how I got into it because I was like, well, if nobody else is going to make it, then I'm going to try it. <laughs> nice. Uh, was that hard? 
Uh, it's difficult, but as with everything, like I said earlier, you don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I uh, happened to meet, um, like I said, my ex-girlfriend, uh, she uh, was the accountant over at Ballast Point. So I was at the Christmas party, and I just so happened to meet the guy that made Sculpin. And so, uh, so I was actually standing right next to him, and then this other guy that was a bigger beer nerd than myself, he was like, oh, my God, it's George. You're the guy that made Sculpin. And I was like, oh, shoot, he's standing right here. So I like... <laughs> And uh, I was like, hey, do you have any tips? I'm new to home brewing. I want to figure this stuff out. And uh, so he gave me little tips on, on how to do that. Nice. And so, uh, look, you're still brewing your own beer. Yeah. Awesome. Um, the next question is, are you a morning or a night person? So I'm totally a morning person. I don't do very well in the evening. Like, I just get goofy in the evening. Like, if it's past, like, say, 11 o'clock, like, my brain is just not working. And uh, so I much prefer mornings. Got it. And do you and, have any? And, and? Oh, that, I was going to say the uh, one thing that's really cool is actually my girlfriend lives over in St. Louis, which is two hours from here. And so uh, on Sunday, because I have to go to work at Monday uh, at 8 a.m., so she's always like, hey, you're going to leave Sunday night. And I tried that once. <laughs> I was totally falling asleep on the freeway. And uh, so I ended up doing mornings. And then so Monday mornings are my breakthrough, pod, or breakthrough cocktail uh, days where I hang, get to hang out with Gary Ware. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Love yeah. it. I'm the same way. I cannot drive at night to save me. <laughs> I'm just like, mm-hmm. uh, but I'll get up early as fuck, <laughs> or excuse me, as heck. Uh, <laughs> to, to hey, hey you got to, you got to, you got to put in the bleep. The, uh, I know the, exactly. Even more funny. <laughs> We're still a clean podcast. <laughs> um, anyways, um, yeah, and I, I'm totally a morning person. Uh, all right, a few more questions is. Are there any books uh, that you've read that have been um, influential in your life? Um, hmm. I read Four Hour Workweek recently uh, by Tim Ferriss, right? Yeah. And uh, that that was actually that was really influential on a lot of things. And um, that one thing that I've noticed about the book is it's it's a lot of it seems like bragging a little bit, so that can put people off. <laughs> yeah. But also, like, you have to look at it as in, like, okay, like, he's explaining his story, and maybe this is just the best way that he knows how to. Uh, and it seems like he's a very driven person. So he's like, here's how I did it. You can have all this stuff, too. Like, he's like, what is it? I'm writing my book as I'm, like, kickboxing yeah, in, like, exactly. Taiwan or something like that. I was like, okay, touche. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, I just got a world record for, uh, was it tango dancing or something like that? Yeah, so I was just like. Ridiculous. Okay. Yeah. But the one thing that I thought was really great about that book is that, um, and I, I'm really trying to get better at this, about talking about um, not putting out fires all the time because it's like the more that you respond to clients, the more that they'll be, I guess, needy in a way. Yeah. So it's like if you're like, I only answer my emails uh, between two and three every day, don't like eat lunch and check your emails, don't like make that the first thing that you do in the day. Uh, only do it one time in the day and then everybody will soon figure it out that okay like I need to make this relevant because I don't want to waste his time yep. so the world's not going to end yeah exactly just because oh you goodness. missed that email that I've I've gotten some crazy emails that you're just like really yeah <laughs> but yeah so but you have to take it in stride yeah uh, I was I would say that it's educating the client because uh, you never know Sometimes that, especially when you've been in your field for a really long time, you start like 
spitting out acronyms and all this kind of stuff, and you just assume like everybody knows this stuff, and then you got to remember like, oh, this is the reason that they hired me because they don't know. Uh, so you have to be like, oh, okay, like, well, uh, you know, maybe this is something a different way that we can take it, and you know, you can try to figure out this, and I try to figure out this or something. Yeah. I don't. That's <laughs> awesome. A uh, few more questions, and then I'm going to let you go. Um, okay. If you had to pick out three songs from the soundtrack of your life, what three songs would you choose? So, man, so this is one that I was, I'm, whenever people ask me this kind of stuff that like, I would say the first one that comes to mind is uh, a song called I Remember by uh, A Day to Remember. It's a really cool song. It's talking about, um, and it's neat. Like I've actually, I don't want to sound like a hipster, but I've been listening to these guys forever. Like, ever, <laughs> like since their first CD came out in 2004 and then their first, uh, like non-indie label one came out in 2007, which I was actually at their show, uh, and I think it was in like 2011. And they're like, "Who's been listening to us since 2010?" And all these people mm-hmm. cheer. And then they're like, "Who since 2009?" And all these people cheer. And he's like, "2006." And all these people cheer. And he was like, "BS." <laughs> I was like, "No, that I've been listening to." It. But so it's cool. Like their their song. It's talking about I remember about uh, kind of remembering like all the hard times that you've been through. He's like. I pretty much wouldn't wish this lifestyle on anyone about like touring and uh, being difficult and um, like taking scrutiny from their label and all this kind of stuff. But then he's like, I look back and I remember all the good times and I've been with my friends and all the accomplishments that I've had. And so that's that uh, that song always kind of struck a chord with me. Ah, so good. But other than that, like I would say any song about the road. <laughs> that I mean, I hate to be uh, cliche, but yeah. like the Metallica song that. Uh, Wherever I roam. Yep. That's a yeah. Good you, yeah, you do. You just go with the flow. Yeah. I actually hit uh, 45 countries. Um, yeah, the last uh, two months ago. So Wow, you're getting up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you heard of the book? Uh, what is it? Uh, it's by a gentleman by the name of Chris Gillibo, and it's called um, The Art of Nonconformity. I think I've heard of it. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, it, basically, it was his mission to travel to every country in the world. And there was 193, I believe. And he wouldn't go for, like, extended periods of time. Sometimes it's, like, you know, a few days here and there. But that was his goal, and it took him about, like, 15 years, 10, 15 years. And he just recently did it. Wow. Is that the guy that, like, uh, there was a guy that did that. And I think that he, like, didn't... Uh, use i think he like didn't use a car or something oh no 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 that's oh, not, that was a different guy yeah i know but it's crazy and chris's most recent book is called um the um, the happiness of pursuit so it's basically saying mm-hmm. if you're on an adventure you're sometimes more happier like planning and going through the adventure than actually living the adventure mm-hmm. and so he talked about his journey and he interviewed a whole bunch of other people that have gone on adventures it's not necessarily travel related but yeah, he's just go country to country to country, and he's gone to some crazy countries. And he talks about how he <clears throat> like slept on the floor, like in this um, African country, like in the airport, because they only flew like a few hours in the morning, and then wow. he had to get like a crazy escort and stuff like that. So it's like countries that you wouldn't normally want to go, but that's awesome. So we can go to I all actually, of them. I actually have one of my uh, good friends. He's going to Afghanistan. Uh, so he's a he's a marine that got out a few years ago, and he just 
put in for his visa to go to Afghanistan. So he's going there, like, I think next month or something. Sweet. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Why not? Actually, my, uh, so my last trip that I had, um, you know, kind of, it's kind of funny. I didn't realize that I really jump into things until you kind of <laughs> point that out. Uh, my last trip that I took, I flew into London and I had no will, no way. I had, I just, landed and then I got on the tube and I just started taking the tube and then started talking to this guy and he was like when are you getting off I was like I don't know he's like where are you staying I was like I don't know I'm just here and then so I ended up meeting a uh, a Broadway dancer that had just got done with a, a tour a world tour and she was doing the same thing and I was like hey want to hang out she's like yeah sure and so we got off on the same stop and I was like which hostel are you staying in and then the next day I was like want to go to Ireland she's like yeah sure so we just Went to Wales. She played the Welsh champion of pool over there. Like, they, and then we went to Ireland, came back, and I went up to Scotland. Like, it was. I would definitely recommend if, if there's a biggest takeaway for anybody of this whole episode, put yourself completely out there because you do not know what's going to happen. And yeah, yeah, that you'll uh, you'll face adversity with the same way that you do with your everyday life. So if you completely put yourself out there, you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Go big. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> yeah, I know. Come on. There's only one life. Cool. Mm-hmm. So two more questions, and then I'm going to let okay. you go. Um, are there any quotes or affirmations that you live your life by? Yes. Okay. So two big ones um, that I always say. Uh, one of them is, is keep going. And I don't know who that's by. I saw that somewhere. I, uh, I think I saw it on, uh, just online somewhere. And so I had that as my, my wallpaper on my phone for a long time, and especially during my trip. Even uh, I was like getting sort of burnt out. I was like, oh, I'm just going to hang out in London the next couple of days. Then I looked at my phone and it said, keep going. And I was like, that's right. I'm just got to do this. And so then I went up to Scotland. And, and so that's like always been one of the big things that I've always tried to do is just keep going. Just keep pushing yourself. Like you never know like where your end is if you don't push yourself. Like that, there's absolutely nothing bad that can happen from that. So if you put yourself out there, good things can happen. Awesome. And then – uh, another one that is probably one of my most favorite quotes, and I actually have this hanging directly above my computer in my office, uh, just in case. It says, uh, the most dangerous phrase in the language is, we've always done it this way. That, um, yeah, that's, and which is ironic, it was a uh, rear admiral, so a Navy woman that said that. So I was like, hey, that's even better. <laughs> a quote by a Navy person, I yep. have no idea. But yeah, so... Uh, don't be afraid to uh, to kind of challenge things, and um, you know, if somebody says do something one way, try it out. If it doesn't work, or if you have a better idea, just be like, hey, what if we try it this way? Yeah, why not? Cool. Yeah, sweet. And then the last question is: you've given so much advice, but if you can distill one tip or one piece of advice that our listeners can take right now that will help them get more clarity and find their passion and live an awesome life, what would that be? Mm-hmm. Okay, since I've already said all the other stuff, I'm going to kind of take this a different direction. Uh, and I want to make this a two-parter because I was, uh, this has always just been a huge thing for me, especially coming from the, the background that I have. I came from a very blue-collar background. Um, so I would say the biggest one is that network with people and never discriminate. Be awesome to everybody because you never know. The guy that's standing next to you that's uh, at the networking event that's wearing like shorts and flip-flops, might be the owner of the building or whatever. Like, it's, you never know. So uh, don't immediately, like, judge and think, okay, I got to go talk to the guy in the suit or whatever or the woman in the suit. Like, 
Um, just be open to, uh, to all sorts of things. And then the other one, which is a really big one too, because I have been in this position and, uh, you know, our awesome, uh, uh, office queen, as they yep. call her, Melina, yep. um, over at IDEA, is that be friends with the gatekeepers. <laughs> the gatekeepers, the secretaries, the assistants, they are the ones that uh, will allow you access to everything. So whether you're an entrepreneur or you're uh, just anybody looking for any sort of, if you're looking for a job, whatever, if you put the time and the effort into getting to know the person that uh, basically controls the phone line, <laughs> Yep. Or the rest of the office. <laughs> so, yeah, then that way when you call, then you can be like, hey, what's going on? Like, I'm really sorry. Like, I'm a little busy. Like, do you mind if uh, you transfer me over to Gary and say, if Gary's not there, oh, okay, sorry, Gary wasn't there. Like, maybe we can transfer over to this other person. And if they don't know you or if they think that you just bugged them off and shoved them off, then they'd be like, oh, okay, sorry, I wasn't there. Click. <laughs> Click yep. Uh, yeah. Voicemail. Uh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so yeah, that be awesome to everybody. Be awesome to yourself. Respect yourself. Put yourself out there. Try new things. Try something today that you have never, ever, ever tried. Yes. Just when, if you come up to a situation and you say, I've never done this before. I don't feel comfortable. That means you need to do it. And that's something that you need to try. Yep. And yeah, things just have a way of working out. Mm-hmm. Because you never know. You try it and say that you think that you failed, but maybe you met somebody and maybe that one person will be somebody that will introduce you to somebody else, that will introduce you to somebody else that will soon, uh, who knows, maybe be your new boss, maybe a new client, maybe you never know. Yeah. Maybe your future wife or husband, you yeah. never know. Boom. So that yeah. is awesome. Uh, Travis, this is a pleasure. It's so much fun catching up with you, and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, before we say goodbye, um, if you could just let our audience know where they can get in touch with you. Okay, so the best way to get in touch with me, and uh, especially if you want to see um, some of the videos that we've been talking about or whatever, that'll uh, obviously be down in the links, but uh, my website is www.traviswieger.net, so that's T-R-A-V-I-S-W-E-G-E-R.net, so, yeah. Nice, cool. All right, well, and for everyone else, thank you for listening for to another awesome episode of Breakthrough Cocktail. <clears throat> As we mentioned, you can find all of the stuff that we talked about in the show notes. So make sure you go over to the website. And until next time, everyone, stay awesome. You've been listening to Breakthrough Cocktail. If you liked what you heard, be sure to visit www.breakthroughcocktail.com forward slash newsletter to sign up for the insider newsletter. As a subscriber, you'll get instant access to exclusive content and frequent doses of happiness. See you there. Until then, stay awesome. Stay awesome.